Welcome to California Groundbreakers, a place that sets trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. Election 2018 is in full swing, and now is the time to start figuring out how you're going to vote. For this edition of our politics-focused series, Policy in a Pint, we're taking a look at Proposition 5, about preserving lower property taxes for Californians aged 55 and older who sell their homes. This proposition is a pretty notable one, because it's the first to propose changes to Proposition 13, which is passed by voters 40 years ago this year, and what as many call the third rail of California politics. Is this the start of additions, changes, even a repeal of Proposition 13? And if Proposition 5 passes, how will that affect California homeowners, local governments, school districts, and our housing market overall? We are at Antiquity Midtown to have a discussion with panelists who are giving us the straight talk on Proposition 5 and what it will mean if you vote yay or nay on it. So hi everyone, welcome to California Groundbreakers. We are a civic engagement organization. We're focusing on innovators doing groundbreaking things around the state of California. And these are intended to be cocktail conversations, quote unquote, to make dry, sometimes tough, hard to understand or relate to topics more relevant and more relatable to all Californians. And we make them fun by wheeling out uh, the wine, the cocktail carts so forth. So tonight we're holding one of our Policy in a Pint events. That's a discussion we have on politics and policy, everything coming out of the Capitol that affects you and me as taxpayers, as voters, as residents. And this year obviously is a great one for these type of events because it's an election year. And so this is the first of our uh, really election 2018 focused um, events. It's called How Are You Gonna Vote on Housing? This is part one. And the reason why it's part one of part two is because there are uh, the 11 total uh, propositions on the election ballot, four of them are focused on housing. That's pretty much 36% of the ballot. We're going to be looking at housing-specific topics. So this is just part one of our uh, housing focused Policy in the Pine events. The next one's on Wednesday, two days from now. So these, these are, I don't call them debates, I call them discussions, but with panelists who, whether they are for or against or neutral on a, a topic, a proposition, they're going to give us the straight talk on these propositions and races and what it means if you vote yes or nay on each of them. So this evening we're going to take a look first at Proposition 5, which is in general about preserving lower property taxes for Californians over age 55, uh, disabled, who want to sell their home. Uh, this one to me seems really notable because it seems like it's the first proposition in a while to propose or tweak changes uh, to Proposition 13, which was passed, if I remember correctly, 40 years ago this year, back in 78. Is that 40 years? Is that... I'm 40 years ago, can you believe it? Um, and it's what many people call the third rail of California politics. Um, but it seems like... Proposition 13 is is kind of a part of this Proposition 5. So whether it, Prop 5 passes or doesn't pass, this seems to be the beginning of a discussion about adding on, changing, maybe even a repeal of Proposition 13 uh, down the road. If that happens, how will that affect California for homeowners, 
potential homeowners, local governments, school districts, and residents overall, because there's a lot of players and people involved in this discussion. So we're here to take a look at what Proposition 5 covers and essentially what a yes uh, for passing it means, what a no to not passing it would mean for California overall. So I would like to have the panelists introduce themselves because they, they know how to do it best. Um, I would just say, obviously besides your name and your current role in an organization, I always like to ask a personal note about the topic that makes you more relatable and rememberable. So for this one, because we're talking about housing, I wanted to ask what your favorite dream home in California is. Is it the first your childhood home, the first apartment you rented, uh, Hearst Castle, um, someplace that, you know, what is a, an ideal home that you would love to live in in California? So let me start with the woman on my left. Hi, good evening. Dorothy Johnson with the California State Association of Counties. I'm so glad to be here. I've been interested in these events and I didn't think my first time at one would be as a speaker. I thought I'd be in the audience, but I'm delighted to be here all the same. Um, so I am a legislative representative. I'm an advocate for the 58 counties in California. And um, I will be here speaking about the concerns we have, our opposition to Prop 5. But to get to the personal question, um, my dream home, I think it might be my current apartment here in Midtown with some minor tweaks. So it's this cute 1930s little fourplex. I've got a balcony. I would love a parking space. And I would love better central AC because it is Sacramento. But um, I love the charm and I love the walkability. I love the services that I am able to access uh, with such ease living where I do. And so I think that's uh, I'm pretty close to the dream right now. Okay, my name is Dave Tanner. I'm currently the CEO of the Sacramento Association of Realtors. We are related to the California Association of Realtors who was the sponsors of Prop 5. So I guess you know which side of the issue I'll be speaking on. Um, I think my dream home is probably any place where I can spend time with the family. Uh, when my wife and I got married, I had four kids and she had three. So we've got seven kids, we have 14 grandchildren. So far we have five great-grandchildren. She all points out they're all on my side. Uh, but uh, it's, it's great having, you know, Christmas Eve, we have about 40 people over for Christmas Eve dinner. And any place where I can have them is just a fine home for me. That's great. And thank you very much for, to both of you for coming. So I wanted to start off the talk about Proposition 5 with, I guess, a, a primer on Proposition 13. For, for many of us, we hear Prop 13, but it might be good to get a little background of what Proposition 13 um, was or is, so we know how that led us to where we are today. So David, I want to start with you. If you could just give us a, a basic summary and history of what Proposition 13 was about and how it ha has affected specifically um, the housing market, the real estate market in these past 40 years since it was approved. Yeah, Prop 13 was passed in 1978, which also happens to be my first year in real estate. I got my license in 1978. And the uh, real estate associations were strongly supporting Prop 13, and I personally did not support it. I didn't think it was the best way to go. I thought that uh, despite all the promotion that they did for it when they were passing it, that we were going to end up with all of the issues that we have now. In reality, we just have tons of fees and tons of other taxes making up the difference of the property tax that we took away. 
And uh, I, I think that maybe we'd be better off if we never had had Prop 13. However, now that we have it and things are structured that way, I think that we have to, uh, to look at some way to make it as good as it possibly be. But what Prop 13 said, and it was sponsored, I must tell you, by people representing the Apartment Association because apartment associations don't sell that often. And they, uh, so what Prop 13 said is that your property taxes will be whatever your property taxes were in 1975. Uh, plus they can go up 2% per year for each year. And there's some other variables on it when markets go down and stuff that aren't really that important. Uh, but uh, they can go up no more than 2% a year unless the property changes hands. And so every time a property is sold, then it gets taxed at the new sale price uh, with a couple exceptions that we'll talk about with Prop 60 and 90. Uh, and so what happens is that residential properties end up being reassessed for taxation on a fairly regular basis because uh, right now it is slowed down since the uh, since the reception but prior to that time residential houses were turning over an average of every seven years commercial properties turn over once maybe every 20 years so the people that own the large apartment complexes and things like that are getting a real break out of prop 13 uh, and the residential uh, people not so much and uh, that's one of the things that uh, they're going to be looking at in uh, in 2020 is possibly some way to uh, to resolve that uh, disparate treatment between uh, the uh, big property owners and the small uh, mom and pop uh, people owning their individual house. Uh, so that's that's what's uh, happened. And uh, um, I don't know whether you want me to talk briefly about 60 or 90, or you want to hold that. I I have I have a feeling we could go in many ways with this discussion but since we have just an hour let's that's a good that's a good summary though and then on the not on the flip side but i guess from the uh, point of view of local governments proposition 13 in the 40 years since it's passed what has it done i guess for city services property tax revenues how the city and and county local governments uh, view prop 13 dorothy thank you it's a great question and dave alluded to this a little bit but because it hamstringed uh, cities and county special districts ability to raise revenue through property tax um, we have looked to other alternatives such as parcel taxes that are for specific purposes um, and a variety of other fees that are still within our authority but it was a major game changer because we know that while uh, populations are growing service demands are growing the property tax rate at one percent is really locked in tight and so it definitely has created some need to be creative in the way that we uh, spend public resources and taxpayer dollars. And um, I think that's another reason why you've seen um, such interest in tools like redevelopment and redevelopment 2.0 and other things where we're leveraging what we do have to the to best of our ability. Um, again, counties especially are extremely limited in their revenue authority. Cities have a little more uh, sales tax and they're not quite as dependent on state and federal subventions for programs like health and human services law enforcement, fire, uh, environmental protection. Uh, but yeah, counties, I mean, property tax, that is the largest source of general fund revenue for us. That is what makes our budgets work. And um, I think that's why we have so, so many concerns with the way that Prop 5 is structured and, and how it would affect our ability to provide those services. 
So yeah, let's talk about Proposition 5. Uh, Dave, David, I wanted to ask you if you could, again, give a summary of what Proposition 5 does, and maybe a hypothetical example, I guess, if you are a, a homeowner who could be affected by Proposition 5, uh, who wants to sell their house, what would happen, what would be the benefits of Prop 5 in terms of how it would work? Well, what happens with Prop 5, it's an extension of what happened with Prop 60 and 90. Uh, you don't really have to understand the details of them to be able to understand what's happening with 5. But what Prop 5 says is that if you own your house and you're over 55 or you're disabled or the house has been destroyed through a disaster or uh, environmental impact, that you can relocate to another house and take that property tax basis with you. So for instance, if I, I bought my first house for $40,000. Uh, if I had stayed in that house now, my property taxes would be based on probably a maximum of about $100,000, and that's what my 1% property tax would be based on, where that house now is probably worth $400,000. So I'm paying about 25% of what I would pay, be paying if I bought it new. So. If that was a two-story house and I needed to be in a one-story now because I've gotten older and I have less mobility, uh, without Prop 13, or without uh, Prop 5, rather, I would lose my Prop 13 benefits of being locked in and I would end up paying full price. So if my, if my taxes went from the 100,000 that my tax base would be on for that first house in Salinas, to 400,000 for a condo that I buy now, my monthly tax bill would go up about four times. And that might make the difference between whether I could afford to be able to live in that new condo when I moved into it or not. And that's, that's what happens with, uh, with uh, Prop 5 is allowing uh, that transfer, because the reason Prop 5 is so important, the reason the counties are concerned about it is because under Prop 90, you could transfer to a different county if that county said you can come in. But out of the 58 counties now, only 10 of them uh, after the end of the year will allow you to come in. 48 counties, you couldn't move there. Those 10 counties, if you moved there, you could still move your tax basis. But the other 48 counties, you couldn't. If Prop 5 passed, you could move anywhere in the state of California and the, the county that you're moving to would not have the option of saying you can't bring that tax base here. They'd be forced to accommodate that, and that's the reason that the counties are really concerned is, is being forced to take less revenue. Yeah, and if I could add all good points, um, another reason the counties are concerned is because it's gonna be a billion dollar hit to our property tax revenue each year. Um, El Dorado County that was referenced is one of the counties that recently ended their Prop 90 program, so that's when the Board of Supervisors can decide if they wanna accept tax bills from other counties. El Dorado County voted to end their program because they were losing half a million dollars each year in property tax revenue, um, and that was a great concern. A couple other things that Prop 5 does, um, so and just to be clear, under current law, you can already keep your existing tax bill when you move to a home of equal or lesser value. You can um, also, again, move it to other counties that are Prop 90 counties. Prop 5 would take that to any home of any value. You could also move as many times as you want. Uh, you could also buy a home of lesser value and have your tax bill go down. Uh, so it's, it's fairly expansive, and I think what's frustrating um, from our perspective is, again, this is already in law. If your home is destroyed by disaster, you can continue with your existing tax bill. Contaminated property, same thing. 
So this is a huge, huge expansion. Um, and over the last, what, since 1986, Prop 60 has been in effect, there's been about eight expansions incrementally to the permissions given to existing homeowners to buy other homes either within their existing county or another county. Um, and I know that's great, and I know my mom, who is 75, is pretty excited about this. Um, but when I look around and I see what this will do to our communities, to all Californians, to uh, uh, younger families that want to buy their first home, they will be priced out of the market. Uh, for seniors who are renting, individuals who are disabled and renting, this does nothing to help preserve affordable housing for those individuals. And so when we're looking at the overall statewide impacts, um, we see that as a major detriment and why we are opposing the measure. So I, I was going to ask, um, and I, I guess I'll start with David on this one. You know, I, I see that I, uh, the Proposition 5 is sponsored by the California Realtors Association. And one of the reasons they're saying Prop 5 is needed is because um, so many people just don't want to move the property tax. If they move elsewhere, there will be more inventory, uh, younger um, homeowners or prospective homeowners have a chance to to move up because those houses will be in play uh, it'll create more movement in the housing industry is that is that something that you see is that a fair um, um, reasoning of what would happen if proposition was five five was passed well the uh, nonpartisan legislative analyst office when they did their analysis of prop five estimated that it would result in 43,000 additional home sales per year from people that are currently locked into the property. Now, to give 43,000 a, a relative number is for the past three years statewide, we have sold about 400,000 homes. So it's looking at an additional 10% increase. And one of the things that you also have to keep in mind is that you don't get the transfer your tax basis uh, to your new residence unless the house that you sell is going to be taxed at full value. For instance, as a provision says that I can pass my house to my children and they can keep my tax basis, but if they do that, then I gotta pay full tax on the house that I buy. And I know that from experience because I did that in Elk Grove. <laughs> I gave my daughter the house and uh, she kept the basis and I had to pay the new basis on the one I own now. Uh, but the, the people that buy, you know, one of the problems I have with analysis, when you look at the numbers, and you can pretty much make numbers say anything you want to, but the analysis assumes that those same houses are going to sell at full market value and pay full taxes if the seniors don't move over there and buy them, which it seems to me is counteracted by the legislative analyst's office because he said 43,000 more home sales will occur, which means that not all of those houses are gonna sell at full value if these people are not able to get up out of houses that no longer meet their needs. Uh, if you've raised your children in your house and now you've got a five bedroom, two story, and you're alone and maybe starting to have some mobility issues, you need to get out of that house, but. Prop 13, if you don't have the ability to transfer your taxes, keeps those people locked into that home. They don't feel that they can move and 
quadruple their uh, tax liability because they're moving into a new residence. So that's, that's part of the other side of the argument. And uh, I, I think, that that's, I think that that's valid, that we shouldn't be forcing people to stay into their houses uh, after they don't need those houses, only because of tax purposes. It seems to me that the counties can find a way to fill that gap. They've been very creative in finding ways to fill the gap over the, the 40 years since we've had Prop 13, and I think they still will. And believe me, I understand the situation with the counties, and you know, I have, I have school teachers, um, my daughter and my granddaughter are both school teachers, and they're dependent upon property tax or revenue to help with their contracts. So I'm not unsympathetic to that side, but I think we have to look at a balance of uh, you know, how do we do that, and I think that there's better ways to do it than forcing uh, seniors to stay in a property they don't need anymore because, simply because of the property tax analysis. So I'm gonna say, if anyone has questions, uh, the mic is there, and if you wanna start lining up, we can start taking questions, and while we do, uh, wait for the first person to ask a question. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Dorothy, I guess, about Prop 5 and a little more significant um, more specifics about it. if it passed, what would that mean for, say, school districts, uh, uh, city services? Do you have you uh, done a projection or anything in terms of what would what kind of hit, if anything, that would make if Prop Five passed on counties and local government? Of, of course. So as I mentioned, um, property tax is the largest source of general fund revenue, and when we think of public safety, police and fire for counties, it's sheriffs. Uh, about 30% uh, of our general fund goes towards public safety services. So that is immediate and direct cut. Um, when you think of our coalition partners with the schools, with the teachers, they are talking about larger classroom sizes. They are talking about the programs that enrich and enhance every student's lives with art and music um, and extracurricular activities. Uh, we look at our partners uh, we have partners in our coalition opposition from seniors groups, from housing groups. Um, we're looking at every aspect of local government changing because of a billion dollars. And respectfully, I don't know how we're going to fill uh, that hole uh, unless, you know, for some reason we are given a majority vote approval for local taxes. You know, we have a two-thirds threshold for a number of local uh, tax uh, sources, uh, and that's a pretty big uh, uh, hurdle to get over. So I respectfully disagree that a billion dollars is a, an easy uh, hole in our pocket to fill. So it's a billion for cities, county, special districts, another billion for schools. And uh, that's each and every year. That's not the accumulative total of just uh, the Prop 5 overall analysis. That's every year a billion dollars. All right, so let's have the first question at the mic. Hi, thanks very much. Um, my primary uh, interest is in how do we overall increase the opportunities for more affordable housing uh, for Californians and seniors. Uh, retirees are, uh, you know, among the most vulnerable that we have. And my concern about this uh, proposition is that it. There's no uh, ceiling on who can sell their home and receive 
the benefit of a lower um, tax liability, property tax liability, than if they just had to pay based on the full fair market of the new home. We have lots of seniors who need to move, either for the reasons that you were talking about, maybe they're living in a two-story home and that's no longer viable for them, or they're people whose um, fixed incomes um, just really restrict their overall affordability, but they need or want to be closer to family members who may live in a higher cost market than they are currently living in. So my concern about this is that we're going to be uh, reducing uh, revenues to counties for essential services while affluent homeowners may be moving to a higher cost home in a perhaps a more desirable area. Uh, and nice for them, but we're paying a price. Well, why, uh, why didn't your organization look at potentially uh, capping the income levels of those homeowners who are able to benefit from this re uh, lower tax liability? So David, yeah, is there a, is, what's, is there a, a, no ceiling? I mean, what's the... Status? There was a proposal introduced in the legislature last year that would have done exactly that. And we supported it, and in fact, we waited till the last possible minute to decide to move forward about uh, Prop 5 because we would have preferred to have gone with the legislative solution that we were working on. And the legislative solution had several of those provisions in it. One was that it would have been capped at a million dollars so that the uh, ultra-rich people would not have been able to transfer uh, their uh, tax basis. Uh, it also would have provided for some reassessment of other properties to make up some of the shortfall uh, that the counties are experiencing. Uh, and there were a couple other provisions in there as well. Uh, we're not unmindful of the situation that arises, but we have to be able to do something, we believe. And what we looked at is the thing which seemed to be the simplest, uh, the easiest to move forward. Every time you do one of those, every time you add something on to a proposition to try and deal with one issue, you end up with another group of people that oppose your proposition. Uh, and that's the problem with trying to fix multiple things with one proposition is that every time you do that, you add a whole new group of people that are offended by that particular portion. So it was decided that the best thing to do is move forward with the cleanest uh, proposition that we could, uh, but still looking at uh, some uh, uh, twerking to the system. Uh, we are looking at, uh, or we're not actively looking at it this time because it's not pending, but there's some discussion of uh, realigning how properties are stepped up in value when you trade ownership. For instance, most of us that own our properties, own our houses, they, we own them in our name. When we sell them, uh, the property gets stepped up to the new price because that's a change of ownership. Because that's what Prop 13 required is a change of ownership. And keep in mind that the apartment people were the driving force behind Prop 13 when it started. Most apartment buildings, most large commercial buildings 
are owned by a corporation, an LLC, they can transfer the shares in that corporation and it doesn't trigger a reassessment of the property. That's one of the loopholes that needs to be fixed. And I think if you could fix that loophole, it would probably generate as much money as Prop 5 uh, threatens to, uh, to cost to the uh, uh, counties. But somebody has to be able to pick up the mantle on that and run with it. And so far, nobody has seemed to be inclined to, uh, to want to do that. But I think that's a fix that, uh, that would go a long way towards solving the problem But both the counties have and that we have. We think that people that are moving into retirement, and, and Prop 13 clearly said you have to be over 55 or disabled or have a disaster, otherwise you can't take advantage of it at all. And we think that that's appropriate. Those are the only people that should be protected. But on the other side of it, there's large corporations out there that have not been reassessed in 40 years because the corporation still owns the property. And I think that that needs to be fixed. And I think that uh, the counties would like to see that be fixed. And uh, I think that we'd like to see that be fixed too. And I think we can take a lot of the pressure off individual homeowners if uh, large corporations were paying their fair share of the uh, property taxes. Next question, or Dorothy, do you have something to comment? I, was, I really appreciate the question and the issue of affording, uh, uh, affordable housing. What we're looking at as a statewide association with our partners with the League of California Cities um, and the state agencies is the supply issue. Uh, making sure that we are um, streamlining things as appropriate to build more units uh, because it is not just an issue of cost, it is driven by the lack of um, supply and so that's something we're very focused on and unfortunately we don't think Prop 5 will help the supply issue at all. Um, if anything again we're worried it's going to drive up prices and to the point about um, 55 as a fixed income um, I think that as, age, as an age as an age yeah so the, it says um, if you're 55 or older and I think in 1986 when Prop 60 uh, established that that might have made sense but now I think retirement ages have increased as people are living longer and uh, the demands of life require people to work longer. Um, even the state of California has recognized with their pension system that 62 or 65 might be an appropriate way. So I think we do share a lot of the same concerns about housing affordability um, and the commercial uh, property ownership transfers. But um, I don't unfortunately think that Prop 5 is getting to the heart of those issues. Next question at the mic. Thank you so much for being here uh, and sharing your time with us and your expertise. It's much appreciated. Um, I think the folks at the Make It Fair Coalition would be excited to hear that the realtors support split rule. They would be, um, it'd be great to have what you I there. What I described is not split rule. <laughs> so I'm curious, there were three versions of Prop 5 out there, um, and I'm curious why you chose this one rather than the other two. Or I well, guess the California Association of Realtors. I they're the ones who, they're the ones, can you, they're the ones who sponsored that, so they're the ones who made right, the decision. Right, the board of directors made a decision, okay. and again, it goes back to what I was saying. It seemed to be the one that was the most streamlined, that was going to have the fewer pockets of opposition that we picked up along the way. Uh, you know, Prop 5, you can either like it or not like it, but you're not going to like it or not like it because of some add-on that's over here, and that's the reason they went with the streamlined version recognizing that there's still some issues that need to be resolved, uh, such as uh, what I mentioned before with the, uh, with the large entities not paying what I would consider to be their fair share of taxes. 
And since split role has come up uh, a little bit, I wanted to define what that means and also um, talk about this seems to be one of a few, we were talking about this earlier before the event, this seems to be one of the first uh, propositions being proposed or discussed that will be going on the ballot this year and in 2020. There's been some talk so far about a, um, for the 2020 ballot on a split role initiative. And can you define, uh, Dorothy and or David, what split role means and what the discussion is of what would be on the ballot uh, as an initiative for split role. Dorothy, you sure, want to start? Sure, I'd be happy to. And okay. Split role is sort of the jargon term we say for the way that commercial property is treated compared to residential property under Prop 13 and how it's reassessed. So earlier we were chatting about how residential property, it's upon time of sale. Commercial property, though, there has to be over 50% change in ownership and uh, many corporations and uh, commercial property owners have been clever in the way they change hands with the ownership. Um, and so what we're looking at in the 2020 ballot is actually a couple different things. Um, one is sort of a immediate flash forward, bring all commercial property up to current assessed value and levy their property taxes at that level. It also creates a couple special funds for education, community colleges, because they are expecting such a massive influx of property tax revenue. And so the proponents have decided to allocate that slightly differently uh, than the way it is now which where it is maintained entirely as a local revenue source and then I don't want to speak out of turn but I believe um, the other alternative that's being introduced creates a slightly more complicated system where when 90% of the total transactions on commercial property are completed that would trigger reassessment so it's a slower process it's a slightly more complicated process for our county assessors to determine when all 90% of uh, transactions have moved the ownership over but I don't want to speak out of turn for uh, the Realtors uh, initiative yeah, and the problem with the split role is it's defined by everybody a little differently uh, some people think it means one thing and some people think it means in the simplest form It's commercial properties get taxed one way and residential get taxed another way. Well, then what 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 are apartment buildings? Are they commercial or are they? Uh, are they residential and which category do they fall into and there's ways that properties need to be defined that will spell out uh, how they get taxed and uh, then uh, you can have any variation on that. So until there's actually a proposition that's qualified for the ballot, it's a little hard to tell what split role might actually look at when it comes to 2020. And, and does it matter uh, which way Proposition 5 goes, whether it's passed or not, where uh, a split role initiative or more would be on the ballot? Are they looking at what happens with Prop 5 before? Um, making a decision about uh, a specific initiative on split role? Or does it matter at all? I think the need for reform on uh, some form of different way of taxing commercial properties from the current method is required now and will be required uh, after Prop 5 passes and maybe even more so if Prop 5 passes. Uh, because they're indicating that they're gonna lose significantly more income. That needs to be made up somewhere and it would seem to me that uh, people who have underpaid their taxes, based up, if you look back and, and say what was the concept of Prop 13, the concept at least in the mind of most of the voters that approved it was that everybody was gonna get treated the same. And the reality is everybody does not get treated the same because properties are not owned in the same way and that changes how they're treated on transfer. So. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see what a final uh, uh, proposition that qualifies for the ballot is going to look like. Next question at the mic. Hi. As a uh, renter, I was hoping to get um, some perspective on how much the tax burden would be before and after Prop 5. Um, like, as example, as an example, perhaps, for those of us who rent and don't actually pay that property tax. So how would renters be affected, if, if at all, by Prop 5, if it passes, David? Well, I can, I can tell you how property taxes work in California as a practical matter on the homeowner, because I've been a realtor for 40 years, uh, and over 30 of that I actively listed and sold houses. Um, the, under Prop 13, the property tax rate is limited to 1% of assessed value. But then in almost every jurisdiction, there are additional add-ons, landscape lighting districts, uh, sanitation districts, things like that, which on average run about 1.2%. There's some higher, there's some lower. So what I always did is I took, okay, 1.2%, that means it's 0.1% for each of the 12 months. So if you buy a house for $100,000, you're going to pay $100 a month in property taxes. If you buy a house for $500,000, you're going to pay $500 a month in property taxes. So when you look at how it's going to impact, uh, that's, that's a very easy analysis to look at. It's $100 a month for each $1,000 of your assessed valuation. Dorothy. Sure, and so I'm a renter as well. I also own a house, so I'm in that weird uh, landlord and uh, land leasee. I'm not sure the right word for that, renter. Um, so best of both worlds, I guess. Um, but I think for renters, what you will see is a diminished uh, level of service in your local community. Um, I think that's what it really comes down to. So whether that's longer response times for um, fire service, whether it's fewer uh, 24-hour patrol um, officers in your neighborhood, in your community, um, whether it means garbage and recycling days are cut back because they simply can't afford to provide services on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. Um, so I do think there will be definite impacts, but in terms of property tax, you're sort of insulated from that. So um, Prop 5 is about selling more homes, making sure that people who um, want to buy a home and probably already are buying a home are able to benefit from that and be able to buy a more expensive home in any part of the state that they want. And that's, you know, we understand that's the realtor's intention, that they're a trade association, that makes sense. Um, but for counties as service providers to Californians in their moments of greatest need and just daily basis, um, that's where I think Prop 5 is gonna affect renters and other homeowners. So I guess the, the pro and con question for both of you, um, let me start with you, David, in terms of if Prop 5 passes, what would be the benefits, the pros and cons? If it doesn't pass, you know, the status quo stays the same. What do you see going down the road for homeowners for California housing? Well, as was mentioned, uh, the real problem facing California homeowners, California renters, is the same thing, and that is a lack of supply. Uh, in California, we have been forming uh, about 240,000 more households per year than we have been building new housing units for the past 10 years. That means we're 2.5 million housing units short statewide in California. If we could tomorrow build 2.5 million uh, housing units, 
you'd see stability in prices, you'd see stability in rents, and you would see the counties getting a lot more money in property tax revenues because they'd have a lot more properties that were paying taxes, but that's not gonna happen. Uh, the most optimistic thing is that uh, uh, candidate for governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, says he's, gonna, he's committed to building 400,000 housing units a year, which sounds wonderful until you realize that you're two and a half million dollars short, or two and a half million housing units short right now. That means that if nobody else came to California, no new houses were formed, it would still take six years to catch up. Uh, you're probably looking realistically, if he could bring about what he promises, 400,000 a year, you're still talking about probably 20 years before we have enough housing units to satisfy the need in the state of California. And until that time, there's still gonna be a lot of issues. Uh, if Prop 5 passes, I think that uh, the legislative office analysis says that 43,000 more homes will come on the market. Um, older people that are locked in their homes that they don't need would be able to move. Um, younger people would be able to buy because most of the, a lot of those homes are, you know, like my first house that I talked about is a 50-year-old structure now. It's going to be selling as affordable housing. Uh, it's going to open up those units uh, to people to be able to move into them. If uh, Prop 5 does not pass, then we're going to be the same place we are now and we'll be saving, facing the same issues. Like, you know, we've got issues about how do you generate revenue and every city and every county in the state of California is looking at that. You know, city of Sacramento is looking at uh, Prop U, which is on the, or, uh, Measure U, which is on the ballot uh, this November, which increases the half cent tax that's gonna expire at the end of the year to a 1% on your sales tax. And that puts it at the maximum that's allowable under the state constitution. They can't raise any more money that way. If that passes, they're capped out at any ability to to uh, raise more revenues through the sales tax. So I think that jurisdictions have been pretty innovative in finding ways to make up their shortfall, but uh, the reality is the shortfall is gonna be there until uh, we have some resolution, and uh, I think part of that resolution is to put a lot more housing units into the market and, uh, and be able to generate revenues that way. And just a quick question, when the, when the uh, legislative analyst office did a survey of the 43, 42,000? 43,000. 43,000. Uh, was, was that across the board all around California or did they look at specific, you know, more urban areas versus Central Valley or, or it, they didn't look at geograph geography? It's just a statewide just analysis. Statewide. So okay. uh, I imagine a lot of that would be Southern California just because they have 70% of the population. So they're going to have more of the housing as well. Okay. And Dorothy, uh, uh, same question to you. You know, pros and cons of Prop Five passing, uh, or if it doesn't pass the status quo, you know, what's down the road in terms of what Prop Five uh, uh, covers? Sure. So I'll just sort of summarize: if Prop Five fails passage, nothing changes for seniors or people who are 55. My mom is refusing to be called a senior. She's 75. She's like, I'm still not a senior. Um, so seniors individuals with disability, homeowners affected by disaster, or homeowners affected by uh, environmental contamination, nothing will change for them. They can keep their low Prop 13 tax base and move to a home of equal or lesser value. They can change their residency from their current county to 10 other counties. Um, and they have that opportunity granted to them once because we know if Prop 5 does pass and they're allowed to move as many times as they want with keeping their tax bill, they can move anywhere in the state 
to homes of any value with any income base, it's a billion dollars. And I know that's a nice, neat round number, but the nonpartisan legislative analyst office did their analysis, and it, it actually counters what the Realtors Association provided. So the Realtors Association said, oh, it's actually kind of net neutral if you look at um, assessments on recording fees, if you look at um, opportunities for home improvement that'll be needed, um, capital gains. But what the realtor's fiscal analysis fails to take into account is that, again, property tax is entirely local. The other revenue sources that are cited are state taxes and other revenue. So it's not an apples to apples, unfortunately. So we are going to see services cut, programs lost, and I think um, local communities really struggling to make up for that revenue hit. All right, we have another question at the mic. Yeah, I apologize. I had to step out for a phone call if you covered this already. Um, other than the 6% that the realtors will make on all of those 43,000 homes that will be sold every year, what is their interest in proposing this proposition? David? I'm sorry, I missed part of that. So, um, And if you can speak a little more yes. to the mic. So, so uh, the legislative analyst's office said that 43,000 homes would be sold every year using the prop uh, five mechanism should it pass um, and of course realtors will uh, make six percent roughly on each of those sales and that is a, a great motivator for realtors I imagine to promote prop five but uh, other than that what um, what purpose did you uh, put forward this proposition for well the, the, the purpose that we put forth is not to make commissions on the sale of those 43,000 homes. The purpose was to free up those 43,000 homes that are currently being withheld out of the housing market. Uh, there are a lot of young families starting up that are struggling to find a place to live, and there are a lot of good appropriate houses for them that are being uh, kept by people, by seniors like myself, that don't need that much room anymore but don't move because of the impact of property taxes they moved. Okay, another question at the mic. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify, is that 43,000 units per year or is that 43,000 over the entire course of per year. Five? Per year, all the analyst figures, as I understand it, are, are annualized. All right, next question. Uh, the 1% rate uh, on the existing tax base, is that also limited by the Constitution similarly? Or do the counties have any power to set the rates that they charge on, on the tax base? You're referring to the Measure U, the Sacramento one that no, we're talking about? On, on the property taxes. On the property taxes. Dorothy. Thank you. So that's a constitutional uh, provision, and that's why to make any changes like Prop 60, like Prop 90, like Prop 110, all these propositions that have made adjustments to Prop 13, um, while the state legislature can place a measure on the ballot, ultimately the voters of California have a say um, should any adjustments be made to that policy. So this is uh, the first of four separate hour-long discussions we're going to do on, on housing. And I think the final question I'm, I'm going to be asking every panelist um, that we talk about these propositions for uh, is going to be the, the closing one for you two as well. Um, there's obviously four housing ballot initiatives this year, and they cover various topics, and they may all in people's minds be piecemeal for this or that, they don't cover everything. But in your 
I guess your wish list, I guess, or if it was, uh, if you could see it on the ballot, what would be um, a really good initiative written in a way that would accomplish something uh, addressing the housing market or maybe an improved version of Prop 5 or something that addresses Prop 13 that is lacking, what do you think would be, say for 2020, a good um, ballot initiative that you would like to see uh, if written well and, and, and um, goes in the direction that you see passed? So I guess your wish list for a proposition that you think would make a... Um, make a mark on the housing crisis that we have in California now? I know, big, big <laughs> the big idea uh, question. So Dorothy, how about you? Well, I'll start, and this is um, my own personal belief. I can't associate this with, my, um, with the California State Association of Counties, but I'll say I wish there were no ballot measures because I feel the um, budgeting and policymaking process through the initiative process needs to be reformed in the first place. I think there's a lot of... Uh, opportunities for improvement. Uh, so I'll put that caveat out there. But no, I do think split roll would have an amazing, changes to split roll, so the way we assess commercial property would have an incredible impact on uh, the way that we're able to promote and support local communities and schools and services. Um, but you know, as you mentioned in your opening, Prop 13 is the third rail uh, in California politics between that and water. I mean, you're just asking for a knockdown fight. So, um, but I do think commercial property assessments uh, definitely needs to be looked that with careful consideration about what that revenue is put towards and if we have the appropriate mechanisms in place at the county and state level to provide the services and staffing needed to complete the uh, new assessment process. And David, what about you? Uh, surprisingly, I think that I agree with that, that that's probably the, the most important thing, uh, at least within our realm on the housing side, is that uh, we need to have something well written and well drafted. The, uh, the going back to uh, uh, Dorothy's original comment is, I wish that there were no propositions. I wish we didn't need propositions. I wish the legislature would do the things that they need to do to make it work because they get the broader picture. They can see it. They can take care of it in a much broader scope than you can with a proposition. As I said, with a proposition, you have to stay really narrow or you've got all these different groups fighting one part of it, and it's hard to get it passed. But I wish that the legislature had moved forward with the uh, proposal that they had this year that would have taken care of uh, the, the proposal that was introduced by the legislator out of Southern California, and I'm sorry, her name escapes me now, but she had revenue enhancement provisions in there that more than offset the cost of Prop 5. It would have been revenue positive for the counties, but they couldn't get it through the legislature. The legislature wouldn't move, but it had various elements that were revenue uh, positive. The, the cap uh, over a million dollars on residential, uh, on all properties, uh, over a million dollars, the uh, 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 taxation of uh, entities that now are able to escape taxation. It was a, a fairly complicated measure, and I can see why the legislature kind of balked because they don't like complicated things. But uh, I think that it was a much better, uh, and I think the legislature, if they do their job, can produce much better legislation. I mean, almost every proposition that we pass, we end up with two or three supplemental propositions tweaking parts of the initial proposition that wasn't done 
the best way that it could have been done. But in order to get it through the proposition process, you end up almost having to do that. And that's unfortunate that, that it works that way. But uh, uh, yeah, I think the legislature needs to be the one that, that steps up and takes care of the big picture, and then we don't have to do the propositions. Well, I guess then I'll, I'll make this the, the last question I ask. Uh, we have a, uh, uh, obviously with the election, a new governor, um, and then a new uh, legis well, a new session coming in in January. Obviously, housing was an issue before. It probably will be again uh, starting in January. Do you see any change? Do you see any focus, whether Prop 5 passes or not, or more talk about Prop 13 with the legislature and a new governor? Do you think make any uh, impact or it remains to be seen? What do you what do you think? Or if you're looking to the crystal ball, Dorothy? Well, again, because this is a constitutional issue, it's ultimately up to the voters of California to decide if there's any changes. So um, as much as the legislature needs to act, as much as the new administration uh, could take a leadership role, it comes down to the will of the voters to make any changes to our property tax system. And the earliest would be 2020 then, I guess, for Correct. that. Yeah. Okay. David? Last word. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that that's correct. The legislature, in, in doing those things, uh, can't act on their own. It still has to go to the will of the people, but they can put together a good comprehensive package, which is much better than what you end up through the, the individual initiative process uh, coming from the outside. So I have hopes, but we never know because every uh, two years, the legislature can turn in a way that you don't anticipate. Maybe the legislator that was starting your, uh, or was sponsoring a bill doesn't return the next session. So then you have to find somebody else that's willing to, to pursue the same direction. And then now we've got term limits, which adds more difficulty to the game because uh, after a few years, they will be gone regardless of uh, uh, whether they were popular or not. So it is a struggle to try and, uh, to try and legislate in California, but uh, um, you know, we, we struggle with it. So I, we're in Sacramento, and um, for those who are listening on online or on a podcast, uh, but I was wondering if I could take a mini poll to see, based on what you've heard tonight here in the audience, um, how you would vote on Prop 5 when you get the ballot in front of you, and what you've heard from Dorothy and David. Um, who would vote a yes to put Proposition 5 into play? If you could show of hands. Nobody. Uh, well, how about those who would vote against Prop 5? All right, it looks like most of the audience. Uh, okay, now this is a, a mini poll, and I know there's still time between now and November 6th. Is that when Election Day is? But I want to say thank you very much, Dorothy and David, for coming and talking to us about Prop 5, explaining something that, you know, I, I, Took me a little bit to understand when I was reading it, but uh, definitely makes some sense. And sounds like it's going to be one of um, changes that's going to be happening with housing and uh, the third rail of California politics. So thank you very much. Well, I hope everybody appreciates what you do because it's a lot of work putting these forums together. And thank you very much, <laughs> David. Thank so you. So keep up the good work. Well, and but no, thank you all for coming and thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers. Tonight's Policy in a Pint conversation was held on September 10, 2018 at Antiquity Midtown in Sacramento. Many thanks to our panelists, Dorothy Johnson and David Tanner for joining us. Thanks to our hosts, Sharon Wilson and Marcy Hose at Antiquity Midtown and to our volunteers, 
Romero Rodriguez and Mark Edelstein for managing the event. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Find out when our next event is by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.